The audio podcast edition of Farlands or Bust is made possible by support from fans on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash Mac to keep this series commercial free. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kurt, and welcome back to Farlands or Bust, episode 655 of... The series, hello down there, <laughs> how are you? And uh, yeah, let's continue on to those far lands as we've been doing. Woof, I know, he's Wolfie's very adamant about continuing on. I'm getting to it. Gotta do the, the normal intro stuff. Yes, I know. <laughs> but yeah, welcome back. Like I said, episode 655 for your Tuesday, September 19th. 2017. Where where is oh I am going the wrong way. I thought the jitter looked weird. Alright, this is the way to go. This is west. Sun rises in the east. So let us carry on indeed. Do I need anything? I could use some wood planks. I always use some additional wood planks. So let us gather a few. And I think we're good-ish for now. Excuse me, Wolfie. But yeah, welcome back, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back. As I mentioned in the last episode, came back from a little trip, a little trip down to California. <laughs> Not perhaps my favorite place in the world. Well, specifically LA, the LA area. But uh, went there as part of a NASA social. This one for the end of the Cassini mission. The grand finale, as the hashtag was indicating. Cassini spacecraft was launched in 1997. Which, thinking about it, 20 years ago, I was 15 years old, just starting high school. A very, very different place. (laughs) A very, very different place in my life. And uh, had no idea that I would be in this place in my life, most certainly let alone I probably at that time wasn't even interested. I was interested but not following space NASA as as adamantly as I currently do certainly. So I had probably no idea of the launch or the mission or anything like that. Come over. And uh so now to have ended up at at the source pretty much JPL is where they assembled Cassini where they keep communication with Cassini, where the, the scientists who, who work on the science and the engineers all, all work and have been working since really the late 80s is when the mission was originally proposed and into the 90s when well, it was designed, specifications for it and all those sort of things. These are These are long-term missions, you know, people work their entire careers on these missions. Over 30 years or so they put into it. And uh, yeah, to be at the end, at that, at, at the place, at the source, was certainly a, a, a very interesting and uh, overwhelming even <laughs> uh, opportunity to have as, as just a, a ye old layman as myself is, maybe not layman, a fan, a fan, an enthusiastic fan of the mission and NASA and space exploration. Uh, but yeah, 
that was that was a, a good time indeed. And, and in today's episode, I will recap it because one of the things I'm not I'm not disappointed, but I'm just kind of surprised at how quick it went. Uh, I went there and packed my my tablet, the Bluetooth keyboard for the tablet, my my GoPro, the little lavalier mic that goes with my GoPro, and and uh, a phone tripod so that I could like put my phone on a tripod and uh, like all this stuff to be prepared to be a social NASA social social media extraordinaire. And I didn't use any of it. <laughs> I just used my phone and took pictures and made Instagrams and tweeted a lot. Um, so yeah, I was like planning on doing like a whole maybe even like a vlog thing for the channel. I was even considering I could try out Twitch's mobile streaming to like mobile stream like the interviews and, and the press site and stuff. Uh, but no, that didn't happen. Things just went by so fast and I was talking to even the other members. There were like 25 people, I believe, uh, who were invited, uh, chosen amongst applicants um, and like one of them is a writer for The Expanse, which is a space television show I keep hearing good things about, but I've not watched. I think it's on sci-fi. And another one was the producer. A producer? Somehow involved. I want to say producer for the upcoming Star Trek Discovery show. Um, amongst other people who work at, like, museums. Uh, another guy there has a, a, a successful Kickstarter. He's recreating the Pioneer Golden Records. Um, Thing, and uh, there are students in, in like PhD programs and things uh, from from all over and it was uh, a bit overwhelming but like I said all those you know I talked to a few of those people and they're very much the same they're like I brought my laptop to like edit videos and do this and but no none of that it just was a, a whirlwind it it started and ended very quickly um, but yeah the way these NASA socials tend to work at least the ones I've been to, is that they're generally two-day events surrounding some sort of event or news uh, with NASA. The ones I've been to in the past have been for launches at Kennedy Space Center. Um, and those typically the first day, Kevalove, the first day are, are meeting, meeting the team uh, involved in the launch or the mission, and then also going on a tour behind-the-scenes tour of the facilities at Kennedy Space Center. That's where I got to see Discovery and the VAB as they were preparing it, disassembling it to uh, to go to the museum, the Smithsonian. Um, and that's also where I toured uh, the, uh, the orbiter processing facility where Space Shuttle Atlantis just happened to be in the hangar and, and we were literal inches away walking underneath the space shuttle as it was being prepared to go to the museum there at Kennedy Space Center. Which was just craziness amongst like so many other like behind the scenes things. Uh, like seeing different like flight hardware and, and stuff, you know, and, and like things, control centers and, and mission control. And like I said, the VAB, uh, like pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So yeah, that's normally the first day, and then the second day is just surrounding, say, the launch, or in this case, Cassini entering the atmosphere and losing contact and the end of mission for Cassini. So yeah, that first day, 
started pretty early, like 8 a.m. or something like that, where you meet everybody, you do introductions, and then you, we were all set up and there's like a specific press room there at JPL, which is really cool because they have models of all the spacecrafts. Uh, one of them was the Juno, I think it was a one-tenth scale of Juno, and then a, a full size of one of the Voyager spacecraft, and then a half size of Cassini, um, and then in other rooms there were like the, uh, the Mars Exploration Rovers, and there was a, a small little Pathfinder. You know, really neat stuff, uh, just in the press room there. But then, like I said, some of the scientists and engineers came in and specifically just talked to us and answered questions. But then we went on a tour of JPL, uh, which was really cool. We saw some other rooms. It's 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 basically a campus. It it is and it was on uh, the Caltech campus, but now it's like a wholly and separately. It's still part of Caltech, but it's it's now NASA JPL, uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory is what it stands for. Uh, so yeah, we walked by a full-size model of the Curiosity rover, and that thing is huge. It's like the size of my car. Um, and then we went to really cool, and even the people who were leading the tours were like, we haven't gotten to see this, the, the Space Simulator, which is basically a large vacuum chamber, very large vacuum chamber, where they put all the spacecraft in and create a, 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 a near vacuum to simulate the spacecraft in space. And they also have a, a, a solar simulator to simulate the solar uh, rays and heat, the heating cycles of being out in space just to test the, the satellites before they head into space to make sure that there's no problems or, or anything like that with the electronics or the thermal protection and being out in the vacuum, the vacuum of space. So yeah, even the people who have worked at JPL were like, oh, I've never gotten to see that. <laughs> that was really interesting for me. Uh, we did that and we got to see, uh, where else did we go? Oh yeah, the, uh, the, the clean room where they build all the spacecraft. Uh, where they, there's, there's, there was like webcams. I don't know if you remember when they were building Curiosity, there was basically a 24 hour webcam that you can watch as they build rover and everything from the Voyagers to the uh, the Mars rovers. God, you scared me, Wolfie. I'm looking for dirt. There it is. Um, to uh, Cassini itself and, and Juno were all built in that room. Uh, it's the same room. And they were starting. There were just, there wasn't much activity going on, but they were just starting. There was some of the flight hardware uh, that's going to be used to get the Mars 2020 rover to Mars, which is pretty much going to be a, a very similar rover as Curiosity is. So that's that's a pretty neat little bit of historical uh, NASA stuff that we saw there. Let's go to sleep. Continue in the morning. <laughs> Continuing on this. Ooh, creepers. I did stay up a little bit too late that night, but uh, but yeah, that was really cool. And then I think we went back, we had lunch, we talked to a bit uh, more teams working on the mission, and then we got to go to Mission Control, which I thought and I talked about earlier. I'm like, oh, we'll get to see it from like, there's like always a big glass 
public viewing area from up above, but no, no. <laughs> we got to go into Mission Control, like on the floor <laughs> of Mission Control, and stand behind the people who were uh, maintaining contact with Cassini. They were actually, when we got there, they were awaiting contact, which they were going to establish to get the final images down from Cassini, uh, and pretty much establish contact up until the time of, of entry into Saturn. Uh, I was standing behind the the, the, the guy who uh, had contact with the Curiosity rover. I don't think he was the driver, per se, but they're the ones who, who keep radio contact and make sure that the messages received and sent uh, are all fine and dandy. Um, amongst other things, uh, so it's, you know, the big mission control room that you see Hello! Just made it. Wolfie isn't going to make it, though, unless he teleports. Oh, he's taking a long way around. Well done, Wolfie. Good pathfinding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the big room with the big monitors up on the screen and uh, up on the wall. And, and uh, this one in particular had a countdown clock for, for Cassini and a count-up clock for Juno as to how many days it's been in space, like T plus 830-whatever-it's-been. Um, so that was really cool. That was really cool indeed. And then off to the side, there was the room, the different kind of live mission control room that you've probably seen and that we saw when we live streamed the Curiosity landing, where everybody like jumps up and high fives and hugs and things like that, and where the NASA Mohawk guy was. That was off to the side, so we got to see that as well. Um, and that's also the room where, if you were watching the Cassini, live stream. Uh, that's where all the mission managers and, and engineers were seated as well and where the big uh, screen was that had the little spike of the radio uh, downlink from Cassini. Um, so that was that was really cool. That was really cool indeed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a nice behind-the-scenes tour and that was pretty much the first day. I'm just not the only thing that we didn't see that I thought we might get to see would be the Mars Yard, which is essentially a Mars surface simulator where they got, like, a bunch of sand and rocks and stuff where they test the rovers and they have the the scale replica, working replica of the Curiosity rover that they can test different scenarios before they actually do them on Mars. Um, I imagine it might have, A, been too far away for us because we walked everywhere on this campus and it's a pretty big campus and it's very hilly um but uh yeah i can assume hey wolfie i can assume that it was either too far away and we didn't have time or maybe there was nothing going on like and it would have just been a pile of dirt you know like uh, uh but that's the only thing that we didn't get to see that i was hoping we might get to see but we didn't obviously um but yeah that was a a really cool time and had to make sure to get get back to the hotel and get some rest because the next day and this I didn't realize until I got there the next day uh, Cassini's entry into Saturn and the end of mission was going to be happening at 4.55 a.m. Pacific time so we had to get there we were supposed to get there by 3 3.30 because that's we were taking place in the press room and the actual like press was going to be there and filling up that space, um, which was crazy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I actually did get to sleep uh, pretty early because I didn't sleep well the night before. It's... I, it, a sidebar. Um, 
I have problems getting up and sticking to a schedule on a normal day-to-day -day basis. But if I have to catch a flight or if I have to be somewhere, I can be up at 2.30 a.m. like I was this night um, and, and be on time. I don't know. It's just I, it, something that I'm still struggling with. Like even, I was like, oh yeah, I woke up like really early. I could stay on this early schedule when I get back and like start streams earlier or start recording earlier and get stuff done. But no, no, I'm like back to waking up at 10 a.m. And uh, today I had my alarm set for 7 a.m. But I woke up, I snoozed it, I guess. I don't even remember doing that and woke up at 8. So I'm, I'm getting to work here. I'm doing the work. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, got up, got to uh, Kennedy, or Kennedy Space, uh, JPL, bright and early. And, uh, yeah, we pretty much, it was just, we were just sitting in the press room. Um, and we basically got to see the, uh, the NASA feed, essentially the NASA feed, kind of a of what was going on. The same things you saw, uh, there was a group of the scientists on the mission seated, uh, on the other side of the room to us. They were all wearing their same Cassini purple shirts, um... Apparently there was also, I didn't know this, but there was also like a, a, a bigger event happening on the campus of Caltech where a lot of other press and members of the media and the NASA Mohair, Mo Mohawk guy and, uh, you know, uh, Bobak Ferdosi, I think his name is, um, were all, you know, there um, as like a big group, like hundreds of people uh, watching on a big screen in on, on that campus. Ooh, nice cliffs. Um... But yeah, we were we were right there at JPL and got to watch that on the screen, and that was for some of the the people on the mission very emotional. They had boxes of tissues at the ready, um, but also there was like a big like cheer, and as we were watching the little spike of the radio transmission die out, and then it came back slightly, and everybody went whoa, and then it went, died finally, uh, and then it was called the the end of mission, the loss of loss of signal. Um, that was very interesting. So yeah, pretty much the 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 opposite of a launch, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, then we basically hung out there for a little bit, and then they actually held the the official NASA press conference, uh, where members of the press were calling in, um, and uh, or or there in the room. There were a lot of cameras and lights and things going on, and I I asked a question. <laughs> I actually asked a question, the last question as well, which if I had known would have made me even more nervous. Uh, but yeah, I asked about, uh, it really it wasn't related to the events of the day or anything like that, the end of the mission, but uh, I asked about how Cassini and pretty much all the NASA science missions upload their raw data, image data, to the websites the mission websites pretty much in real time whether or not it's like I really like the solar observing ones Soho and uh, um, uh, stereo satellites uh, that observe the Sun those are really cool you can get the images what the Sun looks like right now and you can make animations out of them and stuff uh, but also Cassini does this Juno does this as well just uploads the raw data the raw images they're normally not very good-looking because they haven't been processed yet they're in black and white with different filters and little you can only see barely little snippets you know the, the brightness and contrast hasn't been corrected for yet so I asked about how generally people online people on Twitter 
take those images and process them themselves, make animations or add, you know, the color filters before the engineers, imaging engineers and scientists get a chance to officially there at JPL. Um, and I asked about how, how that, you know, factored in and if that was a plan. You know, you got to think they launched this mission in 1997. There was no Twitter. There was really no internet as it stands now. There was no social media per se. So that certainly wasn't wasn't a plan <laughs> from the get-go. And it was also interesting during that, during one of the uh, interviews, I think from the day before, they said how they launched Cassini and it didn't even have any of the mission software. They were still writing the mission software. It didn't receive the flight software until after it was already in space and on its way to Saturn, uh, which makes sense because you only you only want the latest and greatest version of the software based on the current environment and current technology even. So they wrote the software for Cassini and uploaded it as it was already in space, which is pretty crazy. Pretty crazy to think about. That was a really interesting uh, tidbit. Tidbit. But uh, yeah, I got to ask that question. Was on NASA TV? And also, if you're watching, so yeah, I'm 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 sorry that I didn't like use my GoPro or like get any like footage for like uploading to YouTube or live stream to Twitch. I wanted to try to live stream to Twitch, but Twitch.tv is blocked at NASA JPL, and my mobile data. We were in and out of buildings and stuff. wasn't consistent enough to stream from my phone, uh, so unfortunately, I didn't get to try streaming. I did stream to Instagram for a few moments. Uh, I did live stream to Instagram the uh, uh, the moment that we lost the transmission from the press room, but also the day before when we were touring the uh, Mission Control Center. I started live streaming from there because that was really cool. Um, so yeah, I did, did a few Instagram live streams. Uh, unfortunately, you have to have the mobile app and be following me to use that because it uses the Instagram stories. I used Instagram stories a lot. And I had a friend with me. And I'll talk about that in the morning. And Jebediah Kerman-ness. Jebediah Kerman indeed. Figured I'd do something a little bit fun with the trip, just in case I wasn't able to do any of the things like live stream or Twitch or, or anything like that. I brought Jebediah Kerman with me, the little 3D printed Jeb Kerman. I don't know if you remember, I got sent from a 3D printing company a little Kerbal Space Program toys. And one of them, I was conflicted. I have Jeb Kerman, who's like in his EVA suit and he's very happy. I think I also have Bob Kerman, who's in the flight seat, and he's very worried and scared. <laughs> but I decided to go with Jeb Kerman because he looked happy, and we were trying to make this a happy occasion. But yeah, I brought that little thing with. He's like two inches, three inches tall or whatever. And I was taking pictures of him, like, with Juno and then with the Cassini mock-up. Uh, that little, like, rocket there. Took a picture with the rocket and took a picture of him. Uh, I had somebody else. I'm like, could you hold this? in the uh, little porthole. There's a little porthole on the vacuum chamber. Like, Jeb was inside the vacuum chamber. I took some pictures of him at Mission Control. They had a little mock-up and model of Enceladus, the uh, the icy, watery moon of, of Saturn. 
So I put him on top of Enceladus. <laughs> We've landed! He's in his EVA suit. It's great. Plant the flag. Uh, so that was fun. That was fun. I hope people enjoyed that. I posted a lot of those to Twitter, but also I was just like... rapidly uploading them to the Instagram stories. Uh, which I think was a pretty good... The other thing that, that stinks about Instagram stories is that there's no, like, comments that go along with them. Which is kind of a, a bummer, but also it's like, yeah, that makes sense. The way that they're trying to make it Snapchatty or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, since on that last day, on Friday, everything wrapped up by about 8 a.m. Because <laughs> we had been there since 3 a.m. Um, I decided I would use the time to go visit the California Science Center, which has um, Endeavor, Space Shuttle Endeavor. And I didn't know it's a free, it's a free museum to go to, uh, both to enter the museum and see Endeavor. They do have, they had like body worlds going on. They do have traveling exhibits that cost money as they normally do. But uh, yeah, Endeavor is the only space shuttle I haven't seen close up. And this was the one that, if you remember, they flew across country and then they had to drive through the streets of LA to get it to the center. The, it's like in a hangar right now. Um, it's kind of a kind of a big deal, the, the final flights of the space shuttle, etc. Um, but yeah, so I got to see Endeavor. And, and Jeb Kerman came with me and got to see Endeavor as well. It's a pretty good museum. Uh, I do see why it's free, though. <laughs> um, I was like, first, like, oh, free! Uh, I was thinking of, like, the... The only other science museum I'm aware of is in Chicago, the Museum of Science and Industry, and that's a big old museum. Uh, it has the Apollo 11 capsule, amongst other things, and uh, just huge exhibits and planes you can go in and, you know, all that science and industry stuff you might see. So this one, a little bit smaller. Uh, it does have a cool tour of of artifacts from uh, Endeavor. Like the the landing wheels of the, of the last mission, you can touch them. They've been in space. The the nose cap to the uh, external tank and uh, pieces of of mission control and artifacts from astronauts who were up in space. The things they brought with and uh, interesting stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, then then there was actually in a hangar was Endeavor. And I'm still, every single time, I should know this by now, having seen space shuttles and been up close to them, the thing that gets me is the size. They're huge. They're huge. And just the fact that, oh, we sent this thing into space 25 times with seven people at a time. And it's It just makes no sense how that works. You see a capsule, you see like a Mercury capsule or an Apollo capsule or even the, the SpaceX, the Dragon capsule. You're like, all right, that thing I can see getting to space because it's got this huge rocket underneath it and, and then the little, little, little tiny capsule is the only thing that returns. Okay, I can see that being in space. But then you stand, you walk into the room and see the space shuttle. It's bigger than the airplane I flew there uh, to California. Um... Just massive, massive piece of flight hardware, and it launched into space and came back as a glider. <laughs> how did that work? I mean, we can say all we want about how, oh, the space shuttle program kept us in low Earth orbit, and uh, it only really built the International Space Station, and it stopped us from going back to the moon or Mars or whatever, budgets and, uh, you know, congressional this, that, or the other bureaucracy. 
but just the fact that it works <laughs> uh, is just a, it's still an amazing piece of engineering that I don't think has been matched or can be matched for a long time and you have to be standing underneath one or just it's huge, bigger than my house that I'm currently living in it makes no sense how this works oh man like it, it it's just it's 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 beautiful and it's like it looks so simple but it's just so massive and um, you could see the little underneath chips taken out of the uh, the the, the uh, tiles, the re-entry thermal tiles and you can see the scorch marks when it returned and up on the, the nose you can see kind of how all the concentrated heat um, left like streaks and you can look in through the windows and, and kind of see the what's going on inside and uh, so yeah that that's always overwhelming. I spent quite a bit of time there. <laughs> I spent quite a bit of time with Endeavor indeed. Uh, so that's really cool. I do still, I have seen Discovery in the VAB, uh, and then I have seen Atlantis up close and personal uh, in the Orbiter Processing Facility, but also I saw Atlantis uh, in its final uh, museum there at Kennedy Space Center as well. Um, I still need to see Discovery in Washington, oh. D.C. Uh, at the Smithsonian. I, I've been to the Smithsonian Space Museum, but there's a separate part that's part of that's like next to the airport uh, that has Discovery and a bunch of other big spacecraft that's like I said connected to the airport. Uh, I haven't been to that yet, so I still technically have to see Discovery where it is now, which is it's basically in its landed configuration. Uh, Atlantis at Kennedy Space Center is in its orbit configuration. Uh, the bay doors are open. The Canada arm is out. Um, it's it's basically on on orbit configuration. They are going to be building a facility to hold Endeavor in California in its launch configuration, in vertical configuration. Uh, outside the building, they have a a uh, uh, an external tank, the the last external tank in existence. They say, although not completely true, because there's that one that our friend Cone Dodger has visited down in Florida, just sitting there at the docks. Uh, but this one actually has all the thermal foam on it and stuff. Uh, so they're going to lift it upright and have it vertical and have the external tank and two of the uh, solid rocket boosters as if it's at the launch pad. And they're going to have like a tower that you can climb or take an elevator up and look inside it and stuff. So that's going to be really cool when that gets built. So it's nice that the three remaining shuttles each represent the three environments uh, that a space shuttle could be at, you know, before launch, in space, and then after landing on its wheels and with Discovery. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. And spooky noises as well. Um, but uh, do we have time? This looks like a, a pretty big ocean. We have time to do a quick... Just one boat is all we need. Oh yeah, that pretty much wraps up my NASA social, my JPL experience in California this past week. I'll definitely be talking more about it during live streams. Uh, 
you can flip through my my Twitter to see all the different pictures I took and things I tweeted out during it. Um, and uh, and yeah. Oh, they also had at the California Science Center. I guess the other cool thing that they had was uh, a full size mock up of Cassini, and that thing is huge. You think, oh, it's a tiny little robot. It's going into the surface, uh, into the atmosphere, and burning up in Saturn. No, it's the size of a school bus. <laughs> it's literally the size of a school bus if you tilted it vertically. Um, and it, the, it had the, the, the Huygens probe, however you want to pronounce that, that went to Titan. And uh, this big satellite dish and the huge, uh, you know, the big, uh, it, it's powered by plutonium. It had the, uh, the power uh, kind of fins out there where the plutonium is held. And, uh, Cassini is huge. I mean, certainly compared to Saturn itself is minuscule, obviously, but... Oh, hello. <laughs> but uh, Cassini is a huge thing indeed, and I can just kind of, seeing the full scale of it, can kind of almost imagine what it was like for it to be entering the atmosphere and breaking up and struggling with its little tiny thrusters to keep the antenna pointed at Earth. And they even said, you know, the reason it lost transmission is because it eventually lost the battle to keep its antenna pointed at Earth. It still probably survived and tried to continue transmitting about 45 seconds after we actually lost communications. But since the... did, did I sit down, Wolfie? I did. Alright. <laughs> um, but because it wasn't able to keep the radio signal pointed at Earth. We didn't receive it. Um, and then eventually, you know, the dish would have broken off. The, you know, parts would have started to, to heat up and, and weaken and break apart. And eventually it would just essentially vaporize uh, down to its <laughs> pretty much atomic structure and uh, become one become one with the planet it's studied for for. 14 years, which is pretty poetic, pretty poetic indeed. Another question I did want to ask was, well, yes, Cassini, Cassini is gone and now part of the planet. It, it left behind the, the Huygens, Huygens probe on Titan, which we don't have contact with because it depended on Cassini to relay the information back uh, and it didn't have its own power source. It basically ran off a of battery. So the Huygens probe is is been long dead. Uh, but I guess I was curious. I was going to ask like, what happens to that? Like, what is the what is the assumed kind of degradation of that probe sitting on the surface of Titan? Uh, is it going to be there forever? Is the the methane and the the two times atmospheric pressure? Uh, going to slowly eat away and corrode, and it will eventually just become goo and uh, be broken down to its basic elements on the surface of Titan. Um, you know, I was curious about that, and I'm sure somewhere there's the answer out there on the internet, said in a broad, all-encompassing voice. Ooh, yeah, that worked. Uh, got a bunch of torches. <laughs> too many, too many torches. And uh, recapped the Cassini NASA social. So yeah, be sure to check out if you, this is sounds interesting to you guys. I've been to three of these already. 
but uh, I, I regularly check nasa.gov slash social and that will list all the upcoming socials or following NASA social on Twitter. They will tweet out when an upcoming NASA social takes place and it's all provided free aside from the fact that obviously you got to find a way there and, and a hotel or whatever if you're not local. But yeah, this is all, just all provided for free uh, from NASA and they're always looking for kind of new audiences, they say, new people and new audiences uh, to uh, to reach with the NASA social. And uh, this is this is me reaching out to you guys. So check that out. It's it's good stuff. They got the launch ones. They have these these other ones where uh, you know different facilities you get to tour, or maybe there's different events like oh, it's the 40th anniversary of this. Uh, let's let's you know bring these people together and have a NASA social or. Or, or whatever, you know, it, it's really, if you're a fan of this stuff, highly recommended. Highly recommended indeed. So thank you all very much for watching this episode of Farlands or Bust. My name is Kurt. I will see you next time.